the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Clarity Christian College, formerly known as Florida Bible College. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. I was in high school, and I was lost, and there was a gal there that was just a teenager, just like you kids are here, but she was faithful to the gospel, and she invited me to an event, and uh, I came, not as a boyfriend, girlfriend, she was a you know, committed Christian, and I was a lost goonie bird who needed the Lord, and I went to that event, and after the event, she then very carefully made sure that I heard the gospel accurately and clearly, but she had a sense of urgency, because at the end, she didn't say, well, did the speaker make sense to you? Uh, you know you're going to heaven? And I said, yeah. And she said, well, how do you know? And she took me through the gospel to make sure that I really did understand that it was by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. And that night, I trusted Christ as Savior. Now, her testimony would be that same night that I trusted Christ, that I never quit burning from that night for the Lord. But the reality of it is, it is true that I did. The very next year, I trusted Christ as a junior high school. The next year, I was in class with a, a student, a friend. And um, he took two classes with me, junior year, senior year, and always somehow was seated right in front of me. Jewish guy. And I, too, never told him about Christ. And I remember coming into the room on a Monday morning after my life on the weekend, and I knew how to go to heaven and all that, but I never told him how to have eternal life. And he hung himself. And uh, it was the most horrible thing as a teenager to experience this because we, didn't, we don't experience death much. And that particular night that he took his life, Somehow the school knew that I had some bit of a Christian bent, so I got quickly nominated to, hey, you got to do something for the family. So I got the family a, a Jewish Bible and went to the house, and even then the mother fell on me because Jewish people, they bury their dead real quick, and then at the same time they mourn, and they don't sit on furniture, they don't shower, they don't clear, clean up and all that. So here's this woman that, that's not my mother falling on me and you know crying and sobbing. What kind of a boy was my, my son? Was he well-liked? Did he have any friends? Boy, that really cut, because I would say, yeah, I was his friend, but I didn't tell him about the Lord. I went back and forth. So I gave her the Bible, and on the inside cover, I put Isaiah 53, 6. that says, all we like sheep have gone astray, but the Lord has laid upon himself the iniquity of us all, and by faith in the, the Messiah that could have eternal life. Well, that girl who led me to Christ happens to be in your church, and I wanted you to meet her today, and that's my wife back there, Carol, all right? You knew that was coming. Why don't you stand, sweetheart? I know you won't believe this, but it's true. We've been married 54 years. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine? Happily married 47. You know, it's always those first years that are a little bumpy. And I used to say that, and then on the way home, she'd say, you know what you said? And, you know, if you're a pastor, whenever your wife says that, you want to kill yourself or her. And uh, what did I say? She said, when you say that, then everybody thinks that we're not happy now. And I said, no, no, we're happy now. It's those first years that we're bumpy. Well, let me tell you a little, little bit about Make It Clear and Clarity Christian College, because again, Josiah, the whole ministry was designed really with you in mind. And that was not so much that you were out there and you didn't share the gospel. It's more like, I want to share the gospel, but I don't know how. 
So we really made the foundation of the school that you would understand the accuracy of the gospel along with the word of God. So we're very careful in our doctrinal statement. In fact, the staff have to sign a 15-page doctrinal statement. But we also want to make sure that they're clear on the gospel. You know, you could know soteriology, the doctrine of salvation, but if you're not clear, you know, people won't know what to do and how to get saved. And so you have to be real clear and real simple. But then you can have people that are accurate, but they're not clear and they don't understand you. Or you can be really clear, but not accurate. Then you're clearly wrong. Or you could be <laughs> accurate and clear, but if you have no sense of urgency, then you'll never be out there sharing the gospel. So that's really our whole ministry. Now, if you need to have little pillars in this to help you understand, part of our ministry is really directly relating to lost people. In other words, we don't want to talk about evangelism. We want to do evangelism through our ministry. And so we're really out there doing it. Our staff or soul winners are out doing the job, etc. because we believe in giving the gospel, you know, nose to nose, toes to toes, eyeballs to eyeballs kind of thing. And we really want them to know how to do that. Now, the ministry that we mostly do that through is our television program, as well as our movies that we produce, etc. And there's a whole battery of that out there. And you can get that information if you really want it by just go to our app if you want to make it clear ministries, download it on your phone and just see what we have. But one of our movies is really a cutting edge movie. It was it won 15 international film festival awards. It's called Trafficked and it's for junior high and above, but you have to really watch it, parents, before you show it to your junior high kids. It may be too edgy, but have them watch that. And at the end, during the credits, instead of like all movies, bloopers, we're giving the gospel, we're letting people know where they can get help, etc. and that's in that as well, because we really want to reach the lost. Our newest movie is a full-length motion picture. It's in post-production. It's called My Name is Melissa. All through it is a resounding message on pro-life. Now, it's not a documentary, and it's not in-your-face pro-life, but as you see it, you're going to see how profound this is. I'll give you a little bit of a thumbnail of that movie. It starts out with a mom and a daughter going into one of those uh, not-pro-life centers and uh, trying to decide whether they could keep the baby or not. And at the very end, they decided we're going to keep the baby. So that was a good thing. So then we kind of do this 60-minute movie, and it's just showing this little baby growing up, and we're going through phases of this growth spurt of this child and how it was a girl and how that she came to faith and how that she became a worldwide influence for the gospel and for people. Just tremendous testimony. And then at the end of the movie, we kind of revert back in what it was like when she was over there at the clinic. And when she's at the clinic, the problem is she was aborted, and none of that stuff happened. And so it's a real heart wrenching movie to give that message. So that's to the lost. The second part of our ministry is to really help churches. So we have a speakers bureau that's out there. We have a marketplace for people to get material, etc. And I'm on the road doing seminars and teaching, etc. to really strengthen churches. One of the things we have are for churches that are really excited about really getting on fire for evangelism but don't know how is we filmed a eight week and eight week series called Good News Made Clear. And uh, it comes with a little video, like a 10-minute video before each of the eight sessions. And then there's a champion's guide, and then there's a student guide. And it's really for those that are teenagers on up, so everybody could understand it. With a lot of, how do you share a conversation? How do you open a conversation? How do you share the gospel? How do you take uh, questions? How do you know when to bring it to a close? And what different tools you can use in giving out the gospel? And so it becomes very, very healthy. Well, we found now that missionaries are taking that back to the field and using it in leadership training to make sure their leaders are doing it. Then we have a couple that's on the road that's just going to a pro-life clinics to teach those that are involved in pro-life and help them to know how to give the gospel to the girls and the women that come in with an unwanted pregnancy. So that's becoming very popular. Again, the accuracy, the clarity, and the urgency of the gospel. The last is this. That's to help churches. But we also know that uh, Christianity and churches today need godly leaders. 
So we have a college. Our college is called Clarity Christian College. It's a regular college. You can go one year. You can go two year for an AA degree or a Bachelor of Biblical Studies for a four year. And there are seven majors there to prepare people for ministry in some phase in some way. But I wanted to make sure that it's not just for those that are wanting to, uh, you know, quit life and go to college. All right. It's for those that are like you that would say, I want a little bit more than just maybe a Bible study, but I can't go off to school. So we have a lot of our classes online, and they're done in such a way that you could take it and understand it. You can go for credit or say, you know what, I don't need the credit. I just want the knowledge. You can take it just for knowledge. And when you do that, it's really inexpensive. So it's available for you as well. So if you want to know more, there's literature back there. I'll be back there to do that. That's enough of the infomercial. But like I said, it's really with Josiah's in mind. Those that really know, i got to give the gospel, but I really want to know, how do I really do it accurately, clearly, and with urgency? So, again, that's our ministry. You got enough of that? Download our app. It'll give you all the other stuff, and you can hear all the podcasts and all the radio programs and all that stuff on it. I came today with a topic that I really shared with your pastor. I kind of gave him two or three, and he loved you, and he said, you know what? All of them are great, but maybe this one topic would be good. So, really, I'm only speaking on behalf of your pastor because we're in this thing together, and we really want you to grow. And if you want to take out your worship folder, I don't know what you call it, a bulletin worship folder here, in it you're going to find an outline. That little outline is to help you to kind of see the verses real quickly. You certainly can turn in your Bibles. I have mine. You can turn in your electronic Bible. That's okay, too, or it's already printed. But you also can take some notes on it. And you're going to notice at the very top of this particular outline, it's called Five Core Values God Wants Me to Have. Five Core Values God Wants Me to Have. All right, so to do that, let's pretend for just a moment that you're wearing two hats today. Okay, you got two hats going. One hat's going to be you as a person really owning these truths for yourself. That's going to be the first hat that you want. These are your truths. And secondly, I'd like you to have this hat as if you're going to say, I need to make sure that my family have these core values as well. So these core values are not just options. These are kind of like necessities for you. Now, we have two adopted sons. We adopted them when they were 7 and 10 years old because of a major crisis in their family, and they came with a, whole, a boatload of problems. But our sons have grown up, and they're really tremendous Christians and loving the Lord today. Uh, and it's been a, a challenge at times early on, but not so much now. Now it's just a lot of fun. But one of our sons is a certified um, a fitness trainer, okay? And he's been doing this for like 35 years, so it's not like he's trying to be, you know, flex savage or something. What he's really trying to do is help old people like me live longer, you know, by exercising. So here's what he told me. He said, uh, Dad, I want you to know that there are studies out there that will explain the importance of exercise, but a particular pointed exercise, which is called going after your core. Now, your core is that part of your body that's not arms and legs. That's kind of like this, the torso right here. And he said, Dad, if you work these and your muscles now are, to are toned and trained properly, you'll have those involuntary muscles that will really help you in a couple of areas. L listen to the areas. He said, Dad, it'll help you with your balance. It'll help you with your stability. It'll help you with your strength. And it'll help you with your structure, how your bones are. And he says, if all of that is properly in order, here it is, you'll be healthy. And if you're healthy, then you're more than likely to live longer. Of course, if you drive, okay. But with all that in mind, he said, that's important. I got thinking, you know what? There are core values that we need to have that if we own those, those involuntary muscles, in other words, we're doing it just normally, naturally, supernaturally without having to force ourselves to do it, then we too will be strong, stable, balanced, and we'll be healthy and perhaps even grow more as a Christian. Now, I probably could have picked out 50 or 500 core values in Scripture. But if I only had to pick five, these would be the five. These are like baby steps as a Christian. 
Now, let me make this real clear as I begin. I'm not assuming that you guys are so ignorant that you don't got this stuff. What I am saying is if you know it, put a check mark and celebrate it. If there's an area there that says, ooh, I knew that, but I've been kind of a little lax in that. Why don't you put yourself a little plus there to say, I'm going to add that to my life. And then for those of you that never heard this before, I really would like you to say, you know, I now have a peg upon which I can build my life. I'm going to hold on to this particular spiritual exercise in my life. All right, so let's, before I get into these values, values are like convictions, okay? Values shouldn't change. If you have a conviction, convictions never change. I have a conviction. I will not lie. I hope you have that one too. I think you do. Preferences, though, will change. Let's do it another way. I have a conviction. When I, um, when I eat, I want to eat food, don't you? Okay, that's a conviction. I'm not going to eat dirt. I'm not going to chew on rocks. I'm going to eat food, okay? But I'll have a preference. There are certain things that I prefer, and my staff knows this. If I was to be executed, they already know what I'd order as my last meal. For me, it'd be a pizza, all right? But on my pizza, there's certain things that I prefer. Those will change. But I will never change a conviction. These five values are five convictions that should never change in your life. You own these. These aren't preferences. You know, you know, I'll do that when I feel like it. I'll do that when I get a little older. I'll do it when it becomes easier. I'll do it when I'm reminded to do this. I'll do it when I feel badly or guilty. No, no, no. These are things that we do no matter the cost until the day we die. The good news is if it's a conviction, it's biblical. If it's biblical, then you've got the power source to help you, the Holy Spirit. So whatever conviction it is, it comes with the Spirit and also comes with His power. So here it is. It's one word. It's doable. See what I mean? You can do it. You can do this in the Lord. Are you ready to go through these five? We should be done by three o'clock. Okay, so let's go. Okay, number one is this. God wants me, and by the way, these are not in any real particular order, but maybe there is subliminally here. So let's go to number one. God wants me to be a member of his family. God wants me to be a member of his family. Now, his family would be God is the Father. That would mean the rest of us are his children. So we would call that it would be known as the church. You had enough good teaching with your pastor with that. You're the church. Look up here for a moment. There's two churches in the world, okay? Really? Two? Yeah, two. One is called the universal church. That's made up of everybody who's trusted Christ as their Savior anywhere on planet Earth. That's called the universal church, okay? Then you have the second church, which is the local church. And what's the local church? Y'all, okay? You're a local church. Now, whether you become a member of the universal church or a local church, there are three little commodities, three little things to keep in mind that I want to bring this to your attention, all right? Number one, to be a member of his family, it comes by believing, all right? By believing. Look at the passage I've given to you right here. It's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. This whole point is loaded from Ephesians 2. So it begins by saying, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, <laughs> that means uh, not of anything you do, it is the gift of God. In other words, God gives you that gift of eternal life in Christ. It's not of works, spiritual, social, religious, no works, so that you can't boast about it when you get to heaven, lest anyone should boast. So you're saved by faith alone, in Christ alone, it's by believing. So to become a member, you have to trust Christ as your Savior, and immediately you're a member of the universal church, but God also wants you to become a member of the local church. So let me ask you a question here, just to help me with to whom I'm speaking. I want to find out how many are Christians here today. So would you raise your hand? How many are positive that if you today, die today, you'd go to hell? Okay. Now. See, you've got to pay attention. I did that on purpose. All right. So let's do that again. How many are positive that you'd go to heaven because you trusted Christ as Savior? Would you raise your hand? All right, good. I think it's pretty safe to assume that all of you, or at least most of you, 
have become a member of this church. There may be some of you that are still kind of, you know, kicking the tires around here and trying to, you know, see, is this really the church I really want to have? There's no perfect church. We get that, okay? And so we're just made up of imperfect people worshiping a perfect God that's helping us to become more perfect. We'll never be sinless, but we'll sin less. Do I hear an amen on that? Okay. Now, here's a big issue because I don't know you. The pastor didn't tell me about it. He didn't see all this message that you're getting. You may be out there and you're coming every week, but you're saying, I don't join anything. I, I, that, that you, there's no verse in the Bible that says I need to join a church. So you're wondering, how do you answer that kind of a question? Well, very simple. There is a list of people in a church that do sign up, and that would have to be the widows that have to fit a certain qualifications. So that's not the list. But is there a passage of Scripture that says that you need to join a church? The answer is, uh oh no, there is no passage that says you have to join a church. However, there is no passage that says thou shalt not join a church. So you have to be very careful with that. So let's talk about some logic on this thing. Why is it okay for us to go to college and you have to enroll? Well, that's okay, but you can't join the church. Well, I want to go in the military. So what is that, what is that called? You in what? Enlist, right? Okay. When you get a job, they want you to sign up so you can pay your taxes and get all that kind of stuff. Am I right on that? Are you following me? So why is it okay in the rest of the world we do that? And we don't even think about it. But when we come into church, we think, oh, no, I don't really want to join anything. Well, God wants us to, and it's a part of it. Why? Because then we know that you're part of the group that we know where you are, because generally when you join a church, there's a, a little bit of a rite of passage. Now, why is that rite of passage? Not to keep you out, but the rite of passage to become a member is to help you understand a little bit more about what the church is so that you'll have a better time while you're in the church as a member. Are you catching that? So they want to make sure that you kind of think and believe the same way that we do here at the church, that we kind of agree with where we're going as a church. We understand how the church is structured, and we want to be a part of this. But again, there's no perfect church, just like there's no perfect college. There's no perfect military branch. There's no perfect job you're going to have, and uh, there's no perfect church. So in my opinion, this is the best of the worst. No, 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 no. Or this is the worst of the best. I don't know. But right now, this is the church. And I would encourage you to join that. That is a core value. Now, let me say something else to you young people. And parents, listen in. The pastor wanted to know, how do you want to close this thing? I said, when I'm done, I'm going to give it back to you so you can correct anything I said. So here we go. Parents, <clears throat> I, I know that a lot of churches, if, if mom and dad join, as the kids are popping out and they're, getting, they're coming in through the church and mom and dad, it seems like they automatically become a member. I would like to encourage the kids to learn what it means to join the church on their own at a certain threshold age that the church leadership decides. Why? Because when they go through that rite of passage, it ceases to become mom and dad's church and it now becomes what? Their church, okay? See, all the people in the community, they'll talk about this church. Or I should say that church down the block. Those that attend will say this church. Those that are members will say my church. But those that are spiritual really say God's church. So somewhere between my church and God's church should be your church. So I really would hope that your core value would be to trust in Christ so that you can now move into membership. Let's go to the second little check mark. It also comes by behaving in this thing, a member of his family. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God pre prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, the good works here, I'm going to try to split a theological hair, and I don't like to always do that, but in this case, it might help you. The good works here is not so much that he's, he's ordained us now to live a godly life. I don't think that's this, what it's talking about here. I think it's talking about doing good deeds, good works that he has already ordained for us, that God already prepared that there should be some deeds that you should do. Are you, are you tracking with me so far? So here's what happens. You 
You trust Christ to save. You immediately are part of his forever church. But at the same time, you join a local church. And now, once you're part of a local church, there is a particular behavior. There's things that you do in the church. That means everybody is somebody in his body. Are you with me? Okay, lean over to the person next to you and say, we need you here. Can you say that? We need you here. All right? Now look back at the other person and say, you need me here. They always go louder when they, you need me here. <laughs> and that's really right. Out West, I've never seen so many campers that people have. Whether it's backpacking or whether it's tenting or whether it's RVing, y'all have campers. Have you ever taken your kids camping? Have you ever been camping before? You that are parents know what I'm talking about now. You take them camping. As soon as you get to the campsite, you still got to plug in, undo, unwrap, set up, etc. But what do the kids want to do? They want to run to the lake. They want to run to the, the forest. They want to do, and nobody wants to help. But you have that one little kid, I'll help daddy. I'll help you. I'll help you. And the rest of the kids don't. Now, how does that make you feel? You're doing all the work. One kid wants to help you. How does it make that kid feel when the brothers and sisters are already wanting to throw the Frisbee? And you want everybody to do something. Am I right? In the church, it's the same way. Do you know that you guys are important? You're needed here. The, the wonderful glow of the lighthouse of this church is only the brightest as it is people serving one another in this church. So I'm not beating you up. I'm just letting you know. Come on, get on board. Who wants to be a part? Listen, I, I, as a kid, as an athlete, I was not. Young people, maybe this is you, so you're going to identify with me. Whenever they said, okay, we're going to play softball. And Johnny, you're going to be a captain. And Billy, you're going to be a captain. Now, you pick the rest of the guys. You get first pick. You get second pick. You get third pick. Guess who was always picked last? Stanley. And it wasn't that I was picked. It was like I was the only one left. All right? And finally, I get on the team. That's not how it is here. You're needed and wanted here. Let's go to the third check mark. Believing, behaving, now belonging. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members, ooh, circle that, of the household of God. That's why I don't really refer to church too much. I like to call it a faith family because when it becomes a family, it means everybody has some role that they play. Even if they're little, they can do something. And even the older people, you might say, I can't shovel, I can't dig, I can't mow, I can't teach any longer, but I sure can stand at the door with a smile and say, hey, good to see you this week. Even if you only have three teeth left. Okay, it doesn't really matter. You can do something to add value to other people, and belonging makes you feel this way. When I pastored, I had a husband and wife who were part of the church. For whatever happened, the wife joined, but the husband would not. He was one of those stubborn, you know, country boys. I'm not going to do this. But on the other hand, he showed up and did a lot of stuff. I mean, whenever we did so, he'd be there to do it. He'd make buttons, he'd mow, he'd shovel, he'd do all that kind of stuff that he needed to do, but he would never join. It took me seven years to land that fish. Finally, I said, you know what? You've been here long enough. Wouldn't you like to be a card-carrying Clark's Fork kid, you know? And uh, he said, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. So he did it out of obedience, you know. He did it, and he joined. And we had our people that would join. We had them up in front, said a little bit of nice things. Generally, would say where they are already were serving or where they're going to serve. Kind of introduce everybody to the faith family. You probably do that here. And then when it got to him, he then says, I want to say something. I have to tell you as a pastor, that's like, oh, no, what is he going to say? Because <laughs> they don't really talk. You just kind of talk for him, you know. And he got up there, and here's what he said. Never forget it. He said, I've been a part of this church longer than the pastor has been the pastor of this church. But I just joined this church now. And he says, I cannot explain to you this unique feeling of belonging that I have now that I've never felt before. And then he just 
sob. Now, not everybody's that dramatic, but I will tell you there is something unique when you finally become one of those card-carrying parks for kids, and it really will help. So the belonging part is there. Let's go to number two, all right? Number two is God wants me to be a model of his character. So he doesn't want me to just join a church. He wants these things to happen from the inside out, so he wants us to become a model of his character, and his character would be found in the person of Jesus Christ. So by becoming is that next little blank with the check mark. By becoming like Christ, especially his spiritual nature, maybe his maturity, etc. Now, for those of you that are so new to this, don't read into this that Stan is saying he wants me to walk on water, you know, raise the dead. No, 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 no. He wants us to have honesty, decency, integrity. He wants to have us. He wants us to have a servant's heart. He also wants us to influence others for good. He wants us to be a model. Now, this might sting some of you, but if you're working in a college community, a lot of times college kids will say, you know, there's no Jesus. You show me Jesus, and I'm believing Jesus. And you know what I'd, like to, what I'd like to say to them? I'd like to say, you want to see Jesus? Look at me. Now, I can't walk on water, but I certainly can be so profoundly different in a good way for the glory of God. Are you following me? Now, here's where it's going to sting. If your people in this community, and they come to you, and any one of them, those crotchety people out there that says, I want to see Jesus. You show me Jesus, I'll go to your church. I would like to be able to say to them, you want to see Jesus? Look at our church. Because technically, we are really the arms and legs and voice for the Lord. Are we not? Amen? All right. So we now become that. And the only that happens when we want to become like Christ. Look at the verse, Ephesians 4 now. Till we all, circle the word all, that means nobody's to be left out. This is Joe Pons, and I want to thank you for listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Clarity Christian College. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It's the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. That's makeitclear.org. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please email us at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. That's tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.